0: Christ is risen. Hey, a few of you got it down. We're going to teach the rest of you. A little bit of a more traditional kind of high church needed here. Christ is risen. All right. I think you got it. We're going to get one more practice time here. All right. All right. Christ is risen. It's an emphatic statement about a truth that changed the world and can change your life. Do you know that truth personally? He's risen. He is risen indeed. You know, it was interesting last week. I've enjoyed the journey of Passion Week. And the last week was Palm Sunday. Well, we have a couple other Congregations that use the facility that we're glad to support and champion here at uh, the awakening. And one is a Spanish speaking congregation that meets in uh, the afternoons. But uh, there is an Arabic speaking congregation. And last week, they came back really for the first time from two years of COVID. They were very, very much concerned. And so it was great to have the Arabic-speaking church back. They meet in another venue here on Sunday morning. And so some of the folks from that congregation, because I hang around a little bit, I hadn't seen for a long time, and uh, one uh, older gentleman, he walks in, and, and he looks at me, and he says, He is risen! And I'm thinking, I just came off of Palm Sunday, and you're a week ahead of time here. You can't say he is risen. And so I said back to him, Happy Palm Sunday! And he just looked at me. Like, you're a pastor. And I said, oh, yeah, he's risen indeed. But Easter's next week. And he says, yeah. And he went on to, and then he came out of the room a little bit later on. And he comes, Pastor Kerry, let let me explain to you. And he's from the Middle East. And uh, he said that he had been in Michigan for 15 years at a church there. And he said, on the last Sunday, the pastor finally got it right and corrected it when he stood up in front and said, our friend is moving away, those kinds of things. But every time I see him, he greets us by saying, he is risen. He is risen indeed, right? And what this gentleman was encouraging me to do and what I encourage you to do today is to give really the true Easter greeting." Now, we could say, maybe you said it this morning, Happy Easter, Happy Easter, right? Happy holidays, right? No, you got to understand something. Easter changed and rocked the world, and it can change your life, and maybe it has this morning. So when you give the declaration, He is risen, Christ is risen, you are giving witness to the fact that a man died on a cross, and he rose himself, he raised himself from the dead. Any of you been trying that recently? People don't raise themselves from the dead. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah who came, was crucified on a cruel cross, but he was raised from the dead. So we come not because it's a beautiful holiday to gather and to dress a little bit better. I do wear ties every now and then. I know some of you were asking about that. And so the idea that we come for family and to celebrate and to have good singing and mix and mingle, that's all. good. But you got to understand what this day is about. It's not just for this day, but every single day of the year, Christ is risen. He has risen. And the key word, I think, is. Is indeed. Because see, that indeed part is that personalized part. Indeed, indeed it's true. Did you see? I I saw him. I saw him crucified on the cross. And then I I saw him a few days later and he was talking. And we're going to talk about it out here this morning because that indeed part is critical for you and I. Have we personalized the resurrection of Jesus? Or do we doubt? Good storyline, nice spiritual thing to do in our life, celebrate the holidays, or has it changed your life? I greeted some people this morning that last year at this time, they were not Jesus followers. The resurrected life had not come into them. And today, I gave them a hug and a greeting, and I said, this is your very first Easter as a believer in Jesus. And maybe you're here this morning by friend invite or to come to church. Great to have you here. But I indeed want you to find new life that can happen through Christ. Maybe your life's going fairly well. Maybe it's had some bumps in the road recently. It doesn't matter because you were ultimately designed to be made, as we say as a church, fully alive in Christ and to his mission. And you can only be made fully alive by receiving the one who came alive again after the grave. Changes everything. You know, the phrase that was up there at the end of the setting of that video is actually a phrase that comes from the angel that appeared in the empty tomb, when they came to check out where the body of Jesus was. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. He has risen indeed. You ever go places looking for something and you don't find it? Ah, yeah, you go to a store, you're trying to find that. I find people go down through all kinds of alleyways in life trying to find meaning and purpose. Maybe it's in the pursuit of a a prominent position in culture, in a company. Maybe it's by having a lot of experiences in the world. Maybe it's by experiencing pleasure and delight. Maybe it's by having rich relationships with family and, and maybe others, a large you know contingency of friends. You know, you got the maximum on Facebook of friends, right? And those are all well and fine. But to ultimately find meaning, hope, and purpose in your life, you have to go searching for it, not among those things that are in one sense dead, but the one who is truly alive. Scripture says that those who seek me will find me when they search for me, when they look for me, with all of their heart. Then, wherever you're at on your spiritual journey here this morning, I trust, if there's anything I can encourage us by, is that you will indeed go on a search. A search to look for that which is truly alive. Because over the course of time, whatever you're pursuing, that's outside ultimately of how God made you, created you which was to be in a relationship with him. Whatever you're searching for will have a death to it or a dying. We don't take anything with us from this life to the next. And even in this life, things come crumbling down. We find people who have a high level of popularity and fame, and it all comes crashing down here or there, or it wanes, it taxes and tears on them. But the life that God wanted you to live is a life that's found fully alive in him. And so when the angel shows up and says, Why are you, What are you looking at? Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. And I don't know about you, but if I showed up at the tomb that day, I would have had a few things to probably say to um, the angel because uh, it wasn't a bad thing to come and look and suppose that maybe they could find um, Jesus' body. They would have expected it there. So it wasn't like a dumb thing to do, right? You know, it's interesting as we walk through this Passion Week, you, you have to get the feel in the heart of the people. So uh, when they showed up at the tomb, uh, they had been through quite a traumatic week, right? Last week was Palm Sunday, and so in Palm Sunday we said, hey, they're declaring the hosannas and the praises, the uh, long-hoped-for Messiah they thought was going to come from This Jesus man that came down from Galilee, that he's going to take over some of the the government leadership and sort of put the Romans in their place and also bring about this great hope and a great glory for the Israelites. And so on Palm Sunday, a week ago today, when we celebrated that, we're commemorating Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem with his disciples. And they had palm branches they cut down and they threw the palm branches and they threw their coats down, sort of like a red carpet, right? And and, here he is. And and they were cheering and shouting on uh, his hosannas. You know, our God saves is what hosanna means as, as they were coming, as he was coming in riding on a donkey. We said there was a great crowd that day, right? But then that crowd on Palm Sunday sort of changed their tune during the course of the week. And, and we had Good Friday service a couple days ago. And, and so Good Friday service, the crowd sort of switched, and the crowd began saying, crucify Him, crucify Him. Uh, how do we go from Sunday of Palm Sunday to the crucifixion on Friday? As we mentioned last week, that you know, crowds are interesting. You can get broad support from crowds, but they're also easily swayed. And the crowd from Sunday was easily swayed. They were swayed by distorted truth, accusations that were not true about Jesus. They were uh, uh, swayed by vocal, powerful voices of so-called experts. Well, we know who the Messiah would be, and this guy's not here. He's blasphemous. And then they were also just swayed by foolish decisions because uh, at, the cruci- at the day of crucifixion, they wanted Barabbas freed, who was a known criminal. Not this man, you know, we want Barabbas and crucify, crucify. And so this trajectory of the week's quite interesting because when when Jesus then, you know, he left from that Monday, or that Sunday. And he showed up at the temple some, and as I share with you, I've been studying a lot just in the last couple weeks, sort of a new timeline that makes things fit together a lot better according to two different kinds of calendars, more of a spiritual pre-exilic calendar, and then the traditional Jewish calendar. And it appears that maybe, possibly different than what we sometimes have thought, that the Lord's Supper, where Jesus gathered his disciples, actually occurred on Wednesday evening. On Wednesday evening, which would have commemorated the historical anniversary of when uh, Moses and the Old Testament and and Exodus 12 began to outline the Passover and what would happen in that traditional sense of when uh, Jesus, uh, when God uh, came and brought about the last plague to set the Egyptians, uh, the Israelites free from the Egyptians, and so if you go back historically, that Wednesday night and he was calling himself as the one who would raise up people and send them out and give them freedom. And so on more of a spiritual um, type of calendar that Jesus was operating by, that Lord's Supper could have been there on the Wednesday night. And then it probably finished up somewhere around midnight where they had the Passover lamb with that particular body of disciples in the upper room. And he commemorated its shedding of the blood they didn't fully know what was coming. The breaking of his body, he would end up dying for the forgiveness of our sins. And, and then he says, it's, it's time to go. And so they got up and they walked out and they went down through the Kidron Valley, which is a deep valley on the east side of Jerusalem. And then he went up into the Olive, uh, Mount of Olives and to the Gethsemane and he prayed there. And that's where, remember, the disciples fell asleep a couple different times. And Jesus was like, Man, couldn't you just stay awake and pray for an hour kind of deal? And probably around 3 a.m. then, in the middle of the night, after the Lord's Supper, the betrayal happened where Judas came. And he pointed out Jesus uh, to uh, the guards that would be, this, and they took Jesus captive at maybe 3 a.m. in the middle of the night. At 3 a.m. in the middle of the night, then he ends up uh, going before Annas, who was sort of like the uh, high priest emeritus. He'd been around for so long, and now his son was high priest, but everybody sort of defaulted to him. And so he sat and he interacted with. Ananias and Ananias, and it was like okay how uh, how is there this accusation who do you say you are and then he passed um, Jesus on from himself then to his son Caiaphas who was the high priest and probably as he was making his way from uh, Annas to Caiaphas that's probably where they think the the um, the denial of Peter you know remember Peter denied Jesus three times in the cockroach that sort of all happened there but see, the Sanhedrin, who was the religious body, about 70 people, they woke him up to call him out that morning on this particular timeline and saying, okay, now we're going to have a trial. And so they had this big trial. Would Jesus you know, be condemned and would he be condemned to die? And so uh, uh, capital punishment was not allowed unless there was a legitimate trial and done at the right time. And so they brought in some of the distorted truth testimonies and they condemned him to die. But they didn't have the power to kill Jesus. Only the Romans who were in charge of Jerusalem at the time, they could condemn somebody to die or to, to be crucified. And so they had to take him to Pilate, but they couldn't take him to Pilate until they did their, um, the rightful respects of the trial. And the trial demanded that there were 24 hours between when they were convicted, and then they would come back, gather up again, and go, yep, we agree, we didn't make a mistake yesterday, he needs to die. And so that probably happened very early then, Friday morning. They took him to Pilate after they had officially made, the Sanhedrin did, the the condemnation of Christ to die before Pilate then. And Pilate had just heard from his wife. She'd woken up or something and she said, I just had a dream about this man. He's innocent. Don't do anything. Don't put him to death. But Pilate's like, what am I going to do with you? Then he finds out Jesus is from up north in Galilee. Well, guess who's in charge of that territory, the Romans? Well, Herod was. So he sort of ships him across town. He goes to Herod. Herod goes, hey, hey, you're the miracle worker. I want to see some miracles. Let me see some miracles. And Jesus probably just rolled the eyes in the back of his head. He's like, who are you? And he was silent before Herod. He didn't say anything before Herod. And Herod said, ah, forget you. He sends him back to Pilate. So Pilate then has Jesus on his hands again. He doesn't know what to do. He goes and he asks Jesus, Jesus, they say that you're a king. Are you a king? And Jesus says, you say rightly, for I'm a king. For this I was born in the world, and this is why I've come. Everyone who is on the side of truth hears my voice. Probably goes, ah, what is truth? Who cares about truth, right? I'm just into politics. He goes out to the crowd that had gathered and said, what about him? Crucify him. You see how crucify him? He says, you have a tradition. I released you someone. Here's Barabbas. And here's Jesus. Who do you want released? And they picked Barabbas. Crucify him, crucify him. He was taken away. He was flogged. He was scourged. A crown of thorns was placed on his head. He was mocked. He was given a cross to carry. He carries his cross to Golgotha. And he was crucified at 9 a.m. on Friday morning. It's believed on April 3rd of possibly the year 33 A.D. Historical fact. When he was crucified, he didn't die right away cruel death. He finally gave up the spirit and said it is finished at 3 p.m. As we looked at Friday, it's interesting because 3 p.m. was the exact time on the traditional Jewish day of the Passover, which was that Friday. Jesus had celebrated it two evenings before. They took their blemished, unblemished lambs into the temple To have them slaughtered, to take the blood for an atonement for their sins. And then they roasted the lamb and ate the lamb for Passover. At three o'clock on that Good Friday, as we call it now, Jesus Christ died. At the exact same time that they were slaughtering the lambs in the temple for the forgiveness of sin, The lamb who was slain died on a cross outside the temple, the city in Golgotha. The once for all sacrifice for our sins, Jesus Christ paid it all. You see, if you're guilty, justice is demanded. All of us are guilty. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And justice is demanded. You just don't like people to get scot-free off, right? Jesus steps in and he says, I will take the punishment. I will sacrifice my life. Blood means the pouring out of life. And so he shed his blood. In Romans it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that the wages of sin is death. But then it also says that God demonstrated His love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. Jesus, crucified on Friday. Yes, the resurrection wouldn't mean much if it wasn't for the crucifixion. And the crucifixion wouldn't mean much if it wasn't for the resurrection. They go together. But you need to understand the trauma that they had all gone through in that moment and relive it yourself. And hopefully this Passion Week, you've been able to relive that some. And so then you find these words in, Matthew, in Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 24, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone, big, huge stone rolled in front of like a little cave, had been rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, now how in the world did this happen? Who moved that stone? That's a huge stone. Nobody could have moved that stone. That's what they're thinking. Suddenly, two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. And in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, and there's our verse, Why do you look for the living? among the dead. He is not here. He has risen. But you see, they could not come back and say in that moment, He has risen indeed. Because they didn't know that. It was just an empty tomb. It, It didn't compute. Dead people don't come alive. That's what they're thinking. There's just some things that are impossible that just do not happen. Like, I cannot dunk a basketball as much as I'd like to dunk a basketball. It just is not going to happen. Dead people don't come alive. So they were just there looking and grieving and wanting to prepare. He is not here. He's risen. And then they say this, remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Oh, then they remembered. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the others. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying there by themselves. And he went in, wondering to himself, what in the world happened? Climb into their life. Their sense of loss. Their sense of bewilderment. Their sense of confusion. Each of us in our own life, we have that sense of lost and confusion, and bewilderment sometimes, what's going on, what's going on with my life, or what what is happening here, and maybe you're in that place today with what's happening in your personal journey, but you need to understand this, that God knows all things, and God has done something to bring hope into your situation, as surely as what God did, in Jesus being raised that Easter Sunday morning, he is risen, he is risen, oh it's personal, he's risen indeed, in my life. Do you remember the appearances then of Jesus? They were bewildered. They Said, oh, yeah, I guess he did prophesy those things that he would be killed and, and raised from the grave on three days. And by the way, the three days, if you try to calculate it, you got to understand that the Jewish and traditional calendars, it was a sundown to sundown day, not a midnight to midnight. And so it was on Friday that he was crucified. He died at 3 p.m., right? So that's day one. And then day two started when the sun went down that night. And so then day two would have been Saturday. And then Saturday evening was the start of day three when the sun went down. So he was in. In the grave three days, according to a Jewish calendar. Though you'd think to himself, "Well, if he died at three, and then he rose on Easter Sunday morning, according to my calendar, my clock, that doesn't mean three days." But you got to climb into that world, under that standing, and he was. He was in the grave for three days. He was raised to life, and then he began to make these incredible appearances. He began to make these incredible appearances, and the first. Remember who the first we have sort of recorded that he appeared himself to? Mary. Mary Magdalene, who had followed him and sought to worship him, we find this in John chapter 20. It says this Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene, she had gone to the tomb. And we're trying to figure out you know, how the timeline's all put together there. But it says this Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over and looked into the tomb and saw two angels again, standing in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and one at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? I don't know. And If I was married, I'd go, Duh. My Savior died. He was crucified. She says, They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around. She saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He was in his resurrected body. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener. She said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, I love this. It's one of the the shorter verses in the Bible, the most endearing. Jesus said to her, Mary. He said her name. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means translated, teacher. Mary. And in that moment, she recognized him, and her heart was filled with life, and she could say, he is risen indeed. There was a recognition, a moment in time, where she realized That this Jewish faith that she had, the hope that she had in Messiah, had now come full force with the resurrection of this Jesus who was crucified. Rabboni. And she begins to hug him. And he says, wait a second, not now. Go tell the others. And so she scurries off to tell others. And friends, I want you to know today, as surely as that incredible moment that we remember here on this Easter Sunday from almost 2,000 years ago, when Jesus said that first name, Mary, he's still saying first names today. He's calling out and he's saying, Justin, Michelle, Ben, Chris, Carol, Lynn, Faith. He's saying names, John, Edward, David. Has he come to you and said your name? And you've lit up with recognition of, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, this isn't just about going to church. This isn't just about being a good person. This isn't as saying, I'm a sort of a, you know, I believe in some of these kinds. But has there been an awakening in your life that Jesus is alive and he can walk with you and talk with you and tell you that he's his own? Or are you looking for things to give you life among the dead things of the world? I trust you have made a concerted effort in your life. And if not, maybe it starts here this morning for you to seek him because you will find him when you seek him with all of your heart and you will discover that Jesus Christ is alive through his spirit. He was raised from the grave and he was seen not only by Mary, he was seen by others. Remember when he appeared then to the disciples? It just records at the right in the next one. And then there was this guy named Doubting Thomas. You remember that? Maybe you can identify with him this morning. They told Thomas because he wasn't there when Jesus appeared to the disciples. And he said, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, verse 24, chapter 12 of John. One of the 12 was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, I got to touch it, man. I got to pull one over on me. Put my hand into his side, I will not believe. It was a week later then. His disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Hey, y'all. I'm sorry, I'm always substituting different kinds of words that could have been said. He said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen, you have believed. Blessed, and your name's here, are those who have not seen and yet have believed. The appearances of Jesus and his resurrection began to happen all over the place. There was Mary who saw him, and then the disciples saw him, doubting Thomas, was then confronted a week later, like, oh my goodness, my Lord and my God, kind of thing. And it's like, oh my goodness, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive. Scripture ends up then referencing the, the Emmaus Road witnesses, The Emmaus Road witnesses were these these two followers of Jesus and who had hoped that he was the Messiah walking on some trodden road to a city town called Emmaus. And Jesus walks up alongside of them. They don't recognize who he is. They're all downcast. They still feel like they're in the funeral state. All their hopes gone up, gone. He died. Terrible. Terrible. And Jesus says, "What y'all talking about?" And they said, "Well, don't you know all the events that have happened in Jerusalem this week?" And they began to share with him what happened. But then Jesus turned the conversation and he went back to the Old Testament and began to open up scriptures all the way through, pointing to what, who the Messiah would be and how the Messiah would be. And he was ready to go on. And they said, "We well, you know. Why don't you come in and sit down with us?" So he came in and sat down. And he broke bread and he took the cup, the Lord's Supper. And in the midst. Of them taking communion, their eyes were opened and they realized this is Jesus. Oh my goodness! And the moment that he recognized him, it says their eyes were open and their hearts burned within them, he disappeared. That'd been a pretty cool scene to see. But they ran back to the disciples and told them everything they had because they had given eyewitness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In fact, Scripture then alludes to, and Paul talks about it later on in Corinthians, that over 500 people at one time had seen him in Jerusalem. All kinds of people gave witness. This is after the tragic events. There were people that were freaking out on the religious side who put him to death and the Roman government because they kill people, they kill people, and they stay dead. So where's the body? What's going on? But Jesus would appear. He would be around. Here's the resurrected Lord and Savior. And So the witness accounts are broadly scattered throughout Scripture. It's historically documented, and the documents we have from the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and even what Paul gives reference to, can have substantial credibility put behind them when you research literature and everything else. You know, as the atheist Richard Dawkins, Richard Dawkins says, oh, there's not any proof for the resurrection of Jesus anymore than there's proof that Jack and the Beanstalk is true. That's a foolish man. You'd study it. If you're a doubting Thomas today, there's credence for the resurrected appearances of Jesus Christ. What about after the ascension? Jesus still appears to people. Who did he appear to? He appeared to the Apostle Paul. At that time, his name was Saul. He was uh, a Jewish Pharisee, and he was tormenting Christians because they were corrupting the Jewish faith. We're going to keep the Jewish faith pure. Who are you following? This guy, Jesus. Jesus appears to Saul on the road to Damascus to persecute more Christians and call him out. He's blinded. Saul cries out, who are you? Jesus says, I am the Lord. Why are you persecuting me? Paul, the Damascus Road experience, was the resurrected Jesus standing before him. His life was changed. He became the greatest missionary of all times and proclaiming the truth. And he would go and he'd say, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. In fact, that phrase, Christ is risen, He's risen indeed, they try to track it back to where it first started. I believe it could have been started just a few years after the resurrection of Jesus when maybe Mary had to stand before one of the Caesars at the time and give witness Tiberius. But it began to be incorporated within church life because that's what it was about. It wasn't about religion. It wasn't about going to church or going to the synagogue. It wasn't about doing the right things, doing the good, good to-do list. This was all about the witness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that's what the gospel is. The gospel is Jesus died on a cross for our sins. He was raised from the grave, and he has appeared, and he can appear to you today. And so, who's in the next blank? Who's in the next blank? And can I just ask you this question this morning on a personal level? If I was sitting down beside you at your seat, have you personally encountered the risen Lord Jesus Christ? Well, maybe you have not seen him, but you've been in a place in your life where you knew his presence was real and he was speaking. You heard the voice of God speak to you. And maybe it was in a place of brokenness in your life. And you did. You reached out to him. You turned. You repented of your sin and you said, I want you, Jesus. I believe in you. I remember different places and times in my life. I remember one time when I graduated, I was actually my senior year of college, They have capstone in your major sometimes in some private liberal Christian art schools. And we had gone to Michigan in a wooded area to camp for two or three weeks to do the capstone to my major. I left one afternoon when some other activity was going on, and I walked out amidst these tall pine trees, beautiful pine trees, January crisp snow on the ground. And at that time in my life, I was so worried, what am I going to do with my life? You know, some of you are there, you're maybe sen- uh, you're seniors in college or something. You got these degrees, what am I going to do? Or you got this education. I was like, Lord, what am I going to do? I feel distant from you. And I remember walking amongst these tall pine trees with a lane. And I felt as if the Lord Jesus Christ, the resurrected Jesus, was standing at a distance, about probably 30 yards and he was there with his arms open. And I was like, oh, I'm unworthy to come to you. I don't know. And I felt that he stopped coming towards me. And so I had stopped. And then I said, why, why can't we meet up? And basically his word to me was, Carrie, you've got to pursue me with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You've stopped coming towards me. You've worried about all these other things, but it's a relationship with me. And again, reaching out his hands. And I remember physically taking steps and walking to where I thought maybe he might have been. And, And this wasn't some incredible kind of vision, friends. It was just identifying with the presence of the Lord. And I remember doing this. I just buried my head like I was wrapping my arms around him and sensed his presence. How real is Jesus to you? Have you seen the resurrected Savior? Those who seek me will find me when they seek me with all their heart, and He will be faithful. Maybe today is one of those moments where you're seeking Him. It's interesting. Jesus said some words to another person that was raised from the dead, that He raised from the dead, and that was Lazarus. Do you remember the story? It's in John chapter 11. And in John chapter 11, Lazarus had died. His siblings were broken about it, and he went to minister to them. But he had passed away. And then he turns and he says to the sister, he said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then he puts it straight to him, just like he would put it straight to us. Do you believe this? Do you believe? this? So here this morning, this is your opportunity. If God has visited you and you believe that there is a place in your life right now where you can surrender and come to him and believe in him, this is your opportunity to believe in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. You may have doubts, and I encourage you to track down some of those doubts, like Doubting Thomas did. Go on an academic excursion on all this. Go and give testimony, witness to other people. I could have different people stand up today, like I mentioned to you. Some of them, a year ago from now, they, a year ago today, they didn't have the resurrected life of Jesus Jesus within them, but they came to know Jesus, and this is their first Easter. You can get witnesses from others. You can put all together all kinds of, of understanding, But there's still going to be that step of faith to believe in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That Romans wrote, all of sin falls short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. God demonstrated his love for us and while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. There's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The last verse to what's referred to as the Romans road is found in Romans chapter 10 verse 9 and it says this. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe, and is with and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, I love this phrase. Anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. Doesn't mean it might not be a hard life and some ups and downs here and there because there's opposition and Satan wants to bring destruction still in this world until the Lord Jesus returns again and he establishes a new kingdom, a new heaven and a new earth. We're still all a part of a big storyline, but he will never put you to shame if you believe and profess Jesus as Lord and claim that he rose from the dead. Have you done that? Have you done that? says two verses later, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you been saved? Have you been changed and transformed by the power of the resurrection? Or is it just a nice story on Easter? I want to encourage you to consider giving your life to Jesus Christ. There are some simple steps here this morning, ABCs, if you will. The first is to admit. Admit that you are a sinner. In need of God and His salvation. That's usually where people stop. They're so defiant; they don't realize their brokenness or their sin or their uh, disbelief. Maybe that's all be mixed up in there. But you have to admit, I'm a sinner. God made me, and I need God. That you need His salvation. So A is admit. B B is believe. Believe in Jesus Christ that he was raised to life again. The word in is critical because the word in in scripture talks about not just a simple cognitive belief, but you're trusting. I believe in it. It's like the chair you're sitting in right now. You sat down on it and you believed it would hold you. Didn't you? That's the kind of belief. It's a trust. I believe in Jesus Christ and I believe that he was raised to life again. And then C. Confess. Confess with your mouth Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. That's the personal indeed part. I'm going to confess. I'm going to receive him. Have you ever done that with your life? Simple ABCs. Admit that you're a sinner. Believe in Jesus Christ and confess him as your personal Lord and Savior. So, have you personally encountered the risen Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to have us pray here in a second, and we're going to close out with a great song commemorating the Passion Week and Easter Sunday. But for these moments, I believe the Holy Spirit's speaking to some of you. There's been some comings and goings of spiritual interest. You've toyed with it, but you need to know this. God's not upset with you. He's not mad at you. He's not out to condemn you. He's here to give you life and to give you life abundantly, Jesus said. But you have to respond. You have to receive the gift of salvation. It says this in John 1, Yet all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. Jesus, just a couple chapters later, would tell Nicodemus that he needed to be born again. What? i got to go back in my mother's womb? That sounds crazy. No. You're born of water the first time. You're born of the Spirit the second time. Have you been born again? Have you admitted you're a sinner? Have you believed in Jesus Christ and who he is and his resurrection? And have you confessed him personally, indeed, as your Lord and Savior? You can do that right now as we close But you have to receive him. So I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And after that, the team's going to come and we're going to worship. But I want to give you that opportunity on this Easter Sunday, 2022, to know the resurrected Jesus. Will you pray with me? So across this room, Lord, I know that you're working in the hearts of people And in a divine moment such as this, you can change and transform a life no matter what path they've gone down, what other dead things that they're looking for life amidst of. And that they can indeed celebrate not just the truth of the resurrection, but they can celebrate that they have received the resurrected life within them. And so across this room here this morning or maybe online, if you would like to commit your life to Jesus Christ who was raised from the dead, for him to bring hope and transformation, forgiveness and purpose, then I want you to repeat this prayer after me. And I'm going to ask everyone in the room to say this prayer out loud to me. Repeat after me, Dear Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you that on this Easter Sunday that you are alive. Thank you for coming to this earth, for living a sinless life, for being the spotless lamb that died for my sins on the cross. And thank you for being raised from the grave. I now repent of my sin. I repent of my indifference to you I believe in you. I believe in your resurrection. And I confess you as my Lord and Savior. Come into my life. And from this day forward, as you enable me, I will live for you. Amen. And Amen. Christ is risen. If you gave that prayer for the first time to the Lord and Savior, we say welcome into the kingdom of God. We are so grateful to welcome you as part of the followers of Jesus Christ. If you still have doubts and questions, keep looking, looking, keep seeking. In fact, this is a good place. It's a safe place, this church is, to bring your dangerous hard questions. I love hard questions. I want to encourage you, though, in your seat backs, if you made a commitment to Christ this morning, as a place for you to mark, I'm committing my life to Jesus Christ. If you have more spiritual interest questions, you can mark that as well. I also want to encourage you that up here to the right, uh, where Mike is standing, there's some prayer workers, there's a prayer area. If you have some prayer concerns this morning, maybe that are going on with your life, or if you want to know more about a relationship with Jesus, take opportunity to pray with someone before you go today. And so I'm going to ask the ushers if they take their places right now. We're also going to receive the Lord's uh, tithes and offerings as well as your connect card, your responses. And uh, we are going to head out singing a great song that brings it all together. So Angela, Melissa, come and lead us as we worship.
1: To the night Then through the darkness Your loving kindness Tore through the shadows Of my soul The work is finished The end is written Jesus Christ to The promise Your buried body Began to breathe And out of the silence The roaring lion Declared the grave Has no claim on me Let's sing that again Then came the morning that steal the promise
0: is our living hope i want to invite you to a couple things next week right here 10 o'clock the living hope that's what peter says happened to him jesus was his living hope we've been in the study of first peter week in and week out we'll return to some of that next week i want to encourage you to seek the lord every seven days together in a corporate body also when you head out today don't leave right away there's cake There's cupcakes. This is an Easter celebration. Kids, the bounce house will be up and going. And we have the cross decorated for you to do a family photo. And I want to encourage you, send that family photo when you take it to just simple info at theawakening.church. I want to see your beautiful family picture, right? Info at theawakening.church. And we will celebrate Easter all day long and all year long because Christ is risen He is risen indeed. I want to encourage you, if you want prayer, you can have prayer. But uh, we are so glad that you came. May I give you this benediction as you leave. Now unto him who was raised from the dead, may he go with you and abide with you through his Holy Spirit. And may you find in this week renewed strength and hope for all that he's called you to, because you are called to be fully alive in Christ and to his mission. God bless. Go in his name. Greet one another. Enjoy your time today. Amen.